Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Lord, I thank you because you are here. You are here to to reach every heart. You are here to to melt the hearts of stone and to, to comfort the brokenhearted, to bind up their wounds. You are here to love us, to walk with us, to go before us. And we are here to glorify your name because it's not about what you can do for us. It's always about what we can do for you. So we, we stand in your service, oh God. And Lord, let the rest of the service be just as much worship as what we did through song. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm not lighting a scented candle because our worship team stinks. Um, I don't know how strong this candle is. Amy said it's going to smell really good. So we'll see. Can you guys see this right? Like, can you see the flame? Yeah, a little bit. It's not a, it's not a big flame. <clears throat> Andy, if you let me borrow your guitar, I can make it a bigger flame. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, so back in... August or September, somewhere in that window, the staff got together and we were thinking about where we wanted to go and we were praying about it. And we, um, Emily had this idea about the five love languages of God and this idea about Daniel. And um, and we, we've gone through that. And launching this year, Nathan, he's like, I, I really feel like this thought, I can't shake this thought, and it's this idea of limitless. Limitless faith, limitless grace, limitless provision, limit, like, like we serve a limitless God. And as soon as he said that, it was like, it was like all of our minds like just sparked. Um, Nathan, Emily, myself, Pastor Ben, like we just like, yes, that's awesome. Um, I'm like, let's put that at the beginning of the year. Let's launch the year with Limitless. And so I put a kink in the plans when I changed the first message last week. Um, Embrace the lonely place. If we want to discover this limitless God and all the limitless potential, um, I feel that this year we need to embrace the lonely place. With that said, this week we're going to talk about Limitless faith, and and faith is a word that we throw around a lot, and we and and every one of us have a working definition of faith, and we could probably quote a bunch of scriptures about faith because faith is everything. And uh, but to walk in limitless faith, I believe that we we really do have to discover the lonely place. We got to pour out our hearts to God in those moments to have faith to do things and. And um, after we, I preached that morning, the last, last two Sundays ago, and I woke up Monday morning at 12.30 a.m. with 103 fever, and I was just burning up, and I, I was just really sick. And uh, then, then Monday night, I, I, my fever went away, then it came back, and, and Monday night I was laying in bed, and I was thinking about this message because I was thinking I was going to be preaching this last Sunday. And I was like, God, um, I can't sleep, so I might as well pray. And, like, I I don't want to just talk about faith, though. Because we talk about faith a lot, and faith is so powerful, but what's a tangible? Like, what's something that we can do? Because sometimes we get these preconceived notions. We, uh, uh, some of us have a whole, like, maybe we have baggage about faith and in, in, in our walk with God, I, I don't know what all, um, but I would almost venture to say in a room this size that you have some preconceived idea of what faith is, 
And sometimes we could almost think that walking in faith, walking by faith is almost unmanageable or unattainable. Like we say, we, we say, and, and another thing is we talk about faith so much it becomes commonplace. It, it becomes mundane. And, and faith really is everything to the follower of Christ. We are saved by grace. Grace is unearned love through faith. We can't even get saved without believing. We can't get saved without faith. Now, faith is a big deal to God. And get this, Romans 12 says that God gives us each a measure of faith. So if you think you've had any contribution, like, okay, yes, I'm saved by grace through faith, but I chose that. Well, you might have chose it, but God gave you the faith to believe in the beginning. God gave you the faith to believe that his son is that Jesus is the Son of God. God gave you the faith to believe that he died on the cross and that he rose again. So every aspect of your salvation had nothing to do with you. Well, I chose, but you couldn't choose without the faith that God gave you. God gave you faith. Faith is a big deal. We are saved by grace through faith. We have the saving faith, and then faith can move mountains. And, and, and so as I laid there praying, like it was so weird. And so if this message does not make sense... It's because God gave it to me when I had a fever, so I might have been hallucinating. Um, I was, there was one point I was half asleep preaching it, and I woke myself up preaching this message. But the Lord told me to read some scriptures, share some scriptures, and then focus on a different section of scriptures, and then light a candle. And that's what I did. So, hope that made sense. See you guys. No, <laughs> No, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 21, Matthew 17, and then I'm going to reference some other scriptures. But Matthew 21, it starts off with this, and this is a great uh, scripture that we think about when we think about faith. In the morning, as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry. And he noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there was any figs. But there were only leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. The disciples were amazed. They were amazed quite often. When they saw this and asked, how did the fig tree wither so quickly? Then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. Like, and so when I think about faith, these are the, this is one of the scriptures that I lean into so much. This is, this is like one of those big faith scriptures I think about. You want to talk about limitless faith? I tell you the truth. So get this. I, I love the fact that Jesus said, I tell you the truth. But everything that came out of Jesus' mouth was truth because he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is truth, but then he says, I tell you the truth. And so he's emphasizing, he's like, dude, you need to perk up. Pay attention. This is a big statement. When Jesus says, I tell you the truth, or let anyone who has ears, let them hear. Like, when he drops these things, when you read the Bible and you start reading through and all this stuff, and God says, I tell you the truth, pay attention. Something big is following. I tell you the truth. If you have faith and don't doubt, you can, you can do things like this and much more you can even say to this mountain may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen you can pray for anything what what does it say let's say together and if you have faith and if you have faith you will receive it who whoo but we can read over this. We read these scriptures and, and, and we, 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 we hear messages about them. How many of you guys have ever heard a message about this section of scripture? Yeah. I probably preached on this section of scripture. We hear messages about it and it can become so mundane that it's almost unattainable. And then we start putting qualifiers on these statements of faith. 
Like, well, then, I mean, obviously, Jesus meant, or, like, I don't know what he meant. I think Jesus doesn't mix words. Like, well, what Jesus really was trying to get at, Jesus said it. You can pray for anything. What is anything? Anything. And if you have faith, you'll receive it. You have faith. So when I think about faith, I think about this stuff. And, and, and I, I said this at the beginning, or at the end of last year. If, if you guys, it was a service that we were online. Um, go back and listen to it. I'm not saying it's going to change your life, but I challenge you to, to swing for the fences in your prayer life. Why not? We have a big God. Why not swing for the fences? Let's just ask. Let's And we looked at this statement, but Jesus said, how much more does your father want to give good gifts to those who ask? We put qualifiers on that. We we like, well, what Jesus meant. Well, that's not what he said, though. He said, um, ask, seek, knock. Anyone who asks, receives. Anyone who seeks, finds. Anyone who knocks, the door will be open to him. Like, he, he says that. And so he's, he's challenging us. There's almost this challenge to just like pray big prayers. Like swing for the fences. Like let your prayer life not make sense to the hearer how big of prayers you're praying. Because faith looks crazy until it happens. And Jesus, he literally walks up to a tree and curses it and it dies. That wasn't a figure of speech. That wasn't, he did that. And they're right outside Jerusalem. And then there is this mountain that Herod built, a mountain right outside Jerusalem and put a fortress on top. And you can see it from Jerusalem between Bethany or Bethlehem and Jerusalem. Like it's right there. And it was kind of a fortress for Herod. And and he says, you could say to this mountain, I can't help but think that Jesus might have been pointing to this man-made mountain that was moved to that place to make a fortress for Herod. A man moved a mountain. And Jesus said, you could say to this mountain, be cast into the sea. I can't help but think he might be serious. Especially with the illustration he just gave about a withering tree that actually happened. You can do things like this and much more. Much more, you just cursed a tree and it died. But that's, that's one of those scriptures that I think about when I think about faith. And, and another, another one is, is found in Matthew 17, and, and we'll read through it. But Jesus is coming off the mountain of transfiguration. transfiguration. He has Matthew, or he has um, Peter, James, and John with him up there. And he reveals his glory. The only time on earth that he, he like shows his glory when he was on earth, and he comes down, and the rest of the, the, the disciples, the, 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 the nine that were left, they're trying to cast out a demon, and he steps into this situation, and they can't cast out this demon. So this father walks up to Jesus and says, can you help my son, because your disciples can't cast out the demon. And what's so crazy about this is the disciples have already been sent out to cast out demons and to heal the sick. In fact, right when Jesus called his disciples One of the first things he did, he empowered them. He says, I give you power over demons and to heal the sick. He said that to them right when he called them. So the whole time, the whole ministry, Jesus put power on them to do that. His power. And they've already done this. They've already cast out demons. They've already healed the sick. And we step in, and this is what Jesus says. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people... You know, Jesus' number one rebuke to his disciples is, where is your faith? Where is your faith? It's such a big deal that Jesus, when he corrected his disciples, the majority of the time, he was addressing their faith because faith is what activates God in our life. It's such a big deal. And he says, You faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Jesus had his moments too. Bring bring the boy here to me. 
Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him. And from that moment, the boy was well. Afterward, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we cast out the demon? They're kind of surprised. And I actually love that. Because so often we're surprised when God answers our prayers. The disciples were surprised that their prayers didn't get answered. There's a vast difference. I think we should pray with such faith that we're surprised when our prayers don't get answered and not surprised when our prayers do get answered. That's a vast difference. And they're surprised because they've done this before. And Jesus said, you don't have enough faith. <laughs> like, we like, Jesus, we've done this before. What do you mean we don't have enough faith? And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Once again, you better pucker up, set up, listen up. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. And, and there's something about this section of scripture that, that, that really challenges my thinking because what they thought was faith wasn't faith. Because they believed, they believed they could cast out the demon, hence they were trying to cast out the demon. I could see, you know, Matthew, Matthew's over here saying, okay, guys, let me, like, Dude, I know, I know the formula here. Let me, feel, like, let, step aside, Andrew. Let me do this. And, and Matthew, I, I don't know how it went down, but they tried. All of them tried. Um, Andrew could have been like, well, you know, I was, one of, I was literally one of Jesus' first disciples. In fact, I followed John before I followed Jesus. So I might have a little more clout than all of you yahoos. So step aside, Matthew. You were a Roman practically, so get out of here. And so, like... <clears throat> Suddenly, what they thought was faith wasn't faith because Jesus said, you don't have enough faith. And so uh, what makes me wonder here is what if what we're putting our faith in doesn't move the hand of God? Because they put their faith in something. They could have put their faith in their own abilities. They could have put their faith in in uh, their experience, they could have put their faith in, in, in their agenda. They could have put their faith in, in the fact that they were disciples and they were called of God. They could have put their faith in anything else. But when you put your faith in anything else other than the person of Jesus, it will not move the hand of God. It just won't. If you have faith in your ability, man, the Bible is so clear. Be careful lest you think you stand because you will fall. It's only in Jesus, by Jesus, through Jesus that we have any authority at all. And, and, and so what they thought was faith, they had experience. They knew, they, they, they knew the process. They, 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 they went to church their whole life, if you know what I'm saying. They, they got it. It wasn't faith at all. And Jesus said, you didn't have enough faith. And then he goes on to say, if you had faith as as small as a mustard seed, you could have done this and much more. Nothing would be impossible. And and so it's not about the size of the faith that you have. It's about where you place your faith. That, That seed of faith, what are you placing that faith in? If you're putting it in your own abilities, well, you're going to be disappointed in your prayer life. If you're, if you're putting it in the fact that you're a member of C1 Church, well, you're going to be disappointed in your prayer life. If you're putting it in me, you're definitely going to be disappointed in your prayer life. If you're putting it in anything other than Jesus, you're going to be disappointed. Because it's not about the amount of faith you have. It's about where you place your faith. And so faith is so powerful we know that Hebrews, so let's define faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. So faith is substance and faith is evidence. Faith is substance and faith is evidence. And we, we quote that so much. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Like if, if any of you guys that have been a Christian for more than three minutes could probably tell me that verse. And I've been, I started thinking about this verse a lot. Because it's how the Bible defines faith. Faith is substance, or, or the New Living Translation says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence. So faith is reality and evidence. It is something. So 
I wanted to put it in terms that I could wrap my brain around, and this is what I came up with. Faith makes what we cannot see or feel feel so real that we can almost see it. I know that's like, wait, what? If you read it again, it makes more sense the second time through. Faith makes what we cannot see or feel feel so real that we can almost see it. When we pray for someone to be healed, we believe it so much that they are healed even though we don't see it yet. When we pray for provision and God to show up, we believe it so much that even though we don't see the resources, that we see the resources. I mean, like, it's, it's like you see it before you see it. That's, that's what faith does. And as your pastor, I have to see things before you see things and try to cast that vision, whether I do a good job or not, to what I see before I see it. And, and, and walking in the reality of what I see, the Bible is so clear. We, we walk by faith and not by sight. So the, what we see with faith is not the reality of what we see with our eyes. But faith makes what we cannot see or feel feel so real we can almost see it. And, 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 and faith is so amazing Faith is so amazing that it can amaze God, or your lack of faith can amaze God. In Matthew 8, this Roman soldier walks up to Jesus. He's a, he's a commander, and he says, Jesus, I need you to come heal my servant. And Jesus said, let's go. I love Jesus. He, 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 he's such an amazing servant. He was ready to go anywhere, everywhere to help people, to serve people. And, and, and the Roman soldier says, oh, whoa, 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 Jesus, stop right there. You're not, I, I'm not worthy to have you come into my house, but I understand authority. And, and I know that if you say that my servant's well, my servant will be well because I can tell the soldiers under me to go do something, they'll do it, and the soldiers over me can tell me to do something, and I'll do it. He says, I, I understand authority, so you don't even have to come, Jesus. I know that at your word, at your word, my servant will be well. And it says, like in verse 9, it says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And he said, Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. This man's faith in Jesus and understanding who he was, he understood who Jesus was and the authority he carried amazed Jesus. It amazed, his faith amazed Jesus because he was in awe of who Jesus was. He understood Jesus is creator. I am creation. I'm not even worthy for him to enter my house. But if he says it, it will happen. And, 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 he had, he, like, and then he had to turn around and go home. He, he traveled to get to Jesus. And he went home. And when he got home, his servant was well. And then in Mark chapter 6, there's this other section of scripture where Jesus went to his hometown and I'm actually just going to read this. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. His hometown was amazed at his teaching. He says, where did, all, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to, to perform such miracles? They scoffed. They were amazed, but they scoffed. He's just a carpenter. The son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live here, right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except his hometown and among his relatives and his family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Isn't, isn't that a change? He didn't even have to place his hands on the Roman servant. He just said it, and it happened. But in here, he's having to place his hands on sick people to heal him. And it says right there in verse 6, and he was amazed at their unbelief. Our faith can amaze God, or our lack of faith can amaze God. 
Our faith can amaze God or our lack of faith can amaze God. And Jesus wanted to do so much more in his hometown than what they allowed him to do because, get this, they were familiar with him. They were familiar with who he was. Like, he grew up here. That's Mary's son. Like, dude, I, I remember. I remember him growing up, running down the street. And they refused to submit because of their familiarity with him. And they got offended. And I feel like sometimes we can fall into that same category. We can get so familiar with God that we forget that he's God. Like, like we want to have this loving relationship with our Father. Don't get me wrong. But he's God Almighty we can't lose the awe and wonder of who he is in this walk that we call faith with him. And, and, and so I started really thinking about this and praying about this that night. And you might be wondering what the candle's about. And I, I think the candle really is faith. Because this faith can grow. This flame can grow based on what I do with it. I could take Andy's guitar and throw it on here. And that flame would grow because I'm, I'm feeding it. And, and, but, but with flame, it's not like you just start off with a log. Like I, if, I, if I actually put that guitar on there, it would smother that flame. Like what you have to do with the flame, though, is you have to put small things on it for it to grow. You keep putting small things on it. Here pretty soon, like you put twigs and leaves and, and that stuff starts burning and then here pretty soon you're putting bigger sticks on it, and that gets it to be a bigger fire. And here pretty soon you're putting whole whole logs or branches on it, and then it starts to really burn. And you could it'll, it'll burn down a tree, it'll burn down a house because. But it started with a single flame. But at this point, it's, it's kind of like that measure of faith. I could put my hand over it and suffocate it, and it will kill that flame. And and some of us are still right here in this walk with faith because not because of anything on your end, I would say is because you don't have the, the handles of what to do with your faith. Like how do you make faith grow? How do we walk in limitless faith? How do you put the twigs on your faith to make it grow? And, and as I started thinking about this, the Lord said, go to the feeding of the multitudes, the feeding of the 5,000. If you want to follow along, it's really easy. It's found in Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, and then John 6. So pick one. Um, it's the only miracle that's actually recorded in all four Gospels apart from the resurrection of Christ. It's that big a deal. God wanted six different perspectives on this miracle. And I want to set the scene real quick because... The Lord said the tangibles of faith is in this section. And this is not even like a faith. Like when we think about faith, we think about if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, so you can say to this mountain, or if you believe and do not doubt. You know, like we think about those sections. I never thought about this section being a section of faith. But the Lord said the, the handles for walking out tangible faith are here. If you want to walk in limitless faith, it's found in feeding of the multitudes. So let's set the scene real quick, and I'm going to blaze through this. So Jesus sent out the twelve. In pairs, they went out and healed the sick, cast out demons, preached the good news. And he said, meet me back here in, I don't know, seven days. And while they were out doing it, Jesus was out doing that. He was out healing the sick, casting out demons, all that. And they all come back together. In the meantime, as they're coming back together, Jesus finds out that John the Baptist, his cousin, his friend, was beheaded by Herod. Now, so Jesus says to his disciples, as after they did a, 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 a missions trip, they, they, they were gone on a missions trip for a week, and they were exhausted. He could see it on them. He was grieving. He said, let's go be alone. That's what the Bible tells us. He, so he's wanting to go off and be alone with his 12 friends to process loss. And honestly, some of his disciples... They were John's disciples before they were Jesus' disciples. We know Peter, Andrew's brother, was one of them. So not only is Jesus grieving over the loss of a cousin, but his disciples were also grieving over the loss of a former teacher. And it's not like they were like, peace out, John. I don't like you anymore. I'm following Jesus. No, John said, hey, I need you guys to go follow him now. He even sent disciples to follow Jesus. Because John understood that it's all about Jesus, it's not about me. John, John 3.30, um, the book of 
John, in chapter 3, verse 30, John the Baptist is quoted as saying that I must become less, he must become more. And so they're grieving. They're exhausted. They want to be alone. They want to take a nap. They want to chill out. And they crest a hill, and Jesus sees multitudes, and he responds in a way that captures my heart and convicts my soul. He says he has compassion on them. So often when we are inconvenienced, we are like, all right, let's turn around. Like, it's not this way, guys. Um, No, Jesus had compassion on them. And after a week of doing ministry, he turns around, and and, and grieving, he turns around and says, I'm going to minister. And we know there's 5,000 men. We know there's children present because that's where they got the lunch. So a lot of people believe there could be fifteen to 20,000 people in this multitude. And Matthew's gospel tells us that Jesus healed their sick all day. Like all day he's just healing people. He's ministering. He's teaching. And John's gospel says this. Um, the, actually, every gospel kind of has this effect. But the disciples start coming to Jesus. And they're like, hey, Jesus. We need to send these people away. Like, I, I really think that, I used to think that they were being annoyed, but I'm really thinking after a week of ministry and being around Jesus, they were probably honestly saying, hey, they're hungry, we're hungry, let's, let's just send them away so they can get food and we can rest. Like, it, it, no, I don't think it was selfish. I, I just think they were, they were trying, to, trying to think of a logical way to help the people. And, and Jesus, Jesus, it says in John it says that he already knew what he was going to do. And he says, no, no, that's, that's okay. You feed them. And so suddenly, instead of activating their faith, the disciples were flexing their intellect to make sense of an impossible situation. They're trying to figure out how to feed fifteen to 20,000 people. They're flexing what they know. And so they're... they're wondering they're they're thinking and they're like dude like they won't get home in time one of them is like even if we had over a year's salary we wouldn't have enough money to buy each person a bite of bread and so they're trying to figure out this logically all the while Jesus already knows what he's going to do so how does this have anything to do with faith Mark's gospel In Matthew's gospel, there's two statements that Jesus makes. He says this. The first one. You want to know what tangible faith looks like. Jesus says, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have? I think sometimes we think that faith is like tingles and... Um, lightning and like, like we have taboo around it and we, we th- think that a move of faith and a, a, a healing and different things like that and, and really if you want to get down to the bare knuckles bones of it is what do you have and get this they had nothing I think that's why Jesus said I think that's why Jesus said if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you can say to this mountain because it wasn't about what they had it's about what they did with it. And, and, and get this, they, 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 they actually had nothing. And, 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 and Philip's like, well, we have five loaves and two fish from this kid over here. And so they, they didn't even have the food that God was going to multiply. But get this, I, I think some of us need to grab a hold of this. You might feel like you have no faith to walk in. But there have been words spoken over you by your parents, by your siblings, maybe by former pastors, whatever, and they spoke in faith over you. You need to grab a hold of that. You might not have any strength. You might not have any faith. You might not have, but grab a hold of what someone else said over you and step in faith in, what, in their faith. <laughs> I, you can't get saved by someone else's faith. I get that. But what I'm, what I'm getting at is the disciples had nothing, and they brought someone else's to Jesus. In faith, in faith, they brought someone else's. Maybe the Lord's prophesied something over you through someone else, and you're like, I don't believe that, but I'm going to step because they stepped. What if their faith activates your faith? Because it's still a step like, God, I, I don't, I don't, I, 
the district superintendent of Southern Missouri at a sectional council, our, our first year in marriage, I don't know if you remember this, we were at a sectional council at some little podunk church in middle Missouri, and he showed up, and he was speaking, and the Lord just convicted me. It was actually that moment. I had no intention of ever being ordained in the Assemblies of God. And he spoke, and like the Lord's like, you need to get ordained. And I'm like, why? I don't want to pay more money to the general council. <laughs> like, that was my response, because um, I'm very sold out to the AG, clearly. Um, I, <laughs> I had pastors like, oh, I, my, you test my blood, I'm AG positive. I'm like, I'm not. Um, but I, I have nothing against the AG. I love the Assemblies of God. But he prayed over us, and he prophesied over us. And I, I remember he just said, God's going to do more through you, and, and God's gonna, you're going to pastor. And he said some big things that I, I don't even want to talk about right now because I'm, I'm still like, okay, God, he said that. And then, like, some of it's starting to come true. But, like, I stepped in faith. My, my first step of faith was, like, I need to get ordained. And that was a step. And I didn't even feel that, but, like, his faith activated my faith. And, 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 and Jesus said, what do you have? And maybe all you have is a word. That's enough. That's, all, that, that's enough. Maybe all you have is a word. Maybe all you have is a scripture that you're just holding on to in this season. That's enough. It's not about what your neighbor has. It's not about what, what, what the other church has. It's not about any of that. What do you have? You want tangibles to faith. What do you have? And then Matthew, he says, bring it to me. What do you have? It doesn't have to be a lot. It, doesn't, it, 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 it could be a word. It could be a scripture. It, 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 it could be just that, that passing thought of the rest and the reassurance. It could be a moment. It could be that moment that you knew that you were called. I don't care what it is, but, but what do you have? And then bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. You want to look, you want to know what faith looks like tangibly. It's taking your little flame. And bringing it to Jesus. And that's how it grows. The disciples were operating in faith and they didn't have tinglys. They didn't have those perfect clouds in the sky and God's going to show up moments. They were worried to death. They're trying to figure out how to feed these people. And what did they do? They did what Jesus told them to do. That's faith. Just do what Jesus tells you to do. Take an honest look at your life right now. What, what do I have? What can, what can God be glorified with? It doesn't have to be a lot. Philip said it rightly. He said, what can so little do amongst so many? But despite his doubt, he took what was in his hands and brought it to Jesus. Jesus said, bring it to me. So limitless faith, it doesn't start with a huge amount. Sometimes we we, we get so guilty of looking at people with microphones in their hands or at conferences or on TV, and we think, oh, they're a man of faith. You have no idea the struggles. You have no idea the, the doubts. All they're doing is consistently, if God's using them in a powerful way, all they're doing is consistently taking their little and take, giving it to Jesus. And God's blessing it. And God's breaking it. And God's multiplying it. Your faith doesn't grow until it's broken. Like the, the, we know the story, but Jesus says that he blessed it, then he broke it. And then it multiplied. We don't, sometimes we don't like the breaking 
in our walk of faith. But that's where it grows. That's where it grows. It's, here's my little Jesus. This is what I have. And, God, and Jesus is like, that's all I wanted. I didn't want you to have his faith. I gave you your own faith. I, I, I lit the candle in you. This is all I have. That's enough. And Jesus takes it. He blesses it. And he breaks it. Limitless faith starts with, what do I have? Bring it to Jesus. Let him bless it, break it, and multiply it. So how do we respond to this? How do we respond? I just, I want, I want to take a moment today, and, and I want to pray. And I want us to take an honest look at ourselves and I want, us, I want us to ask the question, what do I have? What, and and I, I think God's asking that right now to, to a lot of you. Some of you feel unqualified. Some of you feel like, how can God use me? How can, like, um, I've heard, heard about faith and all these big faith movements. You want to see big faith. It starts with, what do I have? And I'm going to take it to Jesus. The biggest miracle, apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, happened on the cusp of his disciples not knowing what to do. The biggest act of faith, like it's the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels, apart from the resurrection. And his disciples in every Gospel are fumbling over their own intellect. And some of you guys just need to quit trying to figure it out and just say, God, this is what I have. I want you to use it. And God's saying, finally, that's a step of faith. That's tangible faith. And that's faith that moves mountains. If you have faith, because th the reality is the disciples didn't put faith in their own intellect because they understood their intellect was getting them nowhere. They just did what Jesus said. Their faith was in Jesus, despite their doubts. You might say, I have doubts about what God's telling me to do. That's okay because it's not about you. It's about him to begin with. It never will be about you. This walk of that we walk by faith, not by sight, is not about you and what God can do for you. It's always about what we can do for God. He is creator. He is savior. He is God. We're, we're jars of clay. And so if you're having doubts, that's okay. Take it to Jesus. I can only imagine... How stupid Philip might have felt as he's saying, what can so little do amongst so much? What can so little do amongst so much? What can so little do amongst so much? And Jesus is saying, bring it here. And he's thinking, what can so little do amongst so much? What can so little do amongst so much? But he trusted Jesus because he, he responded in a way that Jesus told him to. What do you have? He evaluated what he had. The disciples are like, oh, this is all we have. Amongst 12 of them, this is all they can come up with. And they brought it to him. So as Pastor Andy leads, I, I, want to, I want us to take an honest moment and look at ourselves. I want us to ask, what do I have? What is God asking me to do? Maybe it's something the Lord's put on your heart a long time ago and you just... Just put it off. Maybe it's like, I need to get married. Or, oh, that, that's easier said than done. I just felt like I needed to say that. Um, maybe it's, I need to talk to my neighbor. Maybe it's, I, I need to call that person and reconcile with them. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's, I, I just need to start a Bible study in McDonald's. I, I I'm just throwing things out there, but I'm just saying, like, whatever it is, take it. You know, some of the biggest churches on earth formed because someone started a Bible study in a public location. You don't have to have all the answers. The disciples didn't know what Jesus was going to do. Only Jesus knew what he was going to do. John 6, Jesus already knew what he was going to do when he asked them, you feed them. And he didn't tell them. <laughs> and God might not tell you. But that's what requires faith. What do you have? Bring it to me. 
What do you have? Bring it to me. What do you have? Bring it to me. And as you, what do you have? You bring it to me. As you, what do you have? Bring it to me. As you, what do you have? Bring it to me. It's like throwing twigs on that flame. It's like putting more fuel on the fire. And here pretty soon, you're going to be bringing big, big, big things to Jesus. Not just little tiny things. It's going to be like, I mean, I think I'm supposed to give away house. Like, you know, like, okay, what do I have? Bring it to Jesus. Like, it's going to be big things. And then you're going to do it and you're going to have gladness in your heart because you did it. And God's going to use it. God's going to use it because it's not about the amount. It's about who you're bringing it to. It's about who your faith is in. It's about that. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed. So let's just take a moment as Pastor Andy leads and let's just ask, what do I have and what do I need to bring to Jesus? That's faith. That's tangible faith. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. We bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Come alive. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. We bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. This is a house of miracles oh, We lay it all down at your feet, Jesus oh, yeah. This is a house of This is a place of praise Where every demon trembles Where we proclaim your name This is a house of Our hearts are full of faith. You have our full attention. You have the final say. We sing, come alive in your name, Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus this is a house of miracles we declare we bring everything to the feet of Jesus everything in the name of Jesus this is a house of miracles This is your house of miracles. We believe in you, Jesus. We believe in you. We bring everything to the feet of Jesus, everything in the name. This is a house of miracles.
God, we thank you that you spoke to us. God, I pray right now over your congregation, Lord. As we live our daily lives, as we go into jobs and family, Lord, wherever you may lead this week, God, I pray that you would let them grab a hold of such tangible faith like they've never grabbed a hold before. God, I pray that you would lead these people to do things that they've never done before in faith. God, I believe that you are asking some people to do some really big things. And so, God, I pray that you would give them the faith and the courage to do it. And Lord, I rebuke the enemy right now in Jesus' name that may be whispering into them, that's not it. You didn't hear right. That's not from God. And that this moment right here would solidify that it is from God. That this moment, this prayer would confirm what you are asking them to do and would silence the enemy in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray right now that you would encourage your people, that you would go before them, that you would use them in such a mighty way this week, God. Lord, we thank you for speaking to us We thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys have a great week.